How y'all doing tonight? Y'all doing all right? Good, good, good. I'm just going to set this right here. Uh, I know we just prayed, but let's pray again. So as we jump into the world, see that? Praise the Lord Jesus. You see that? Praise God. <laughs> let's pray before we jump into the word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this wondrous, beautiful day. We thank you for the opportunity for allowing us to gather together as a young adult community, Lord. Uh, we, leave, we live in a season, Lord, where uh, community is necessary, Father, and it is just a beauty and it is a, a blessing to be a part of this one here. Father, we ask it again, just as Hunter prayed for, for me and also for just as we got to celebrate me working with Carrie and Mitchell and just our team in general. But we do pray as we dive into your word that you would open our hearts and our minds to the truth of who you are. We thank you for this time, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. God should have said, amen. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be jumping into Luke chapter 8. We're continuing our reset series, uh, and it says reflect there. That, that reflect was last week. This week is refresh. All right, so our topic, again, is looking into refreshment. So I'm going to jump into the Word, and we're just going to go ahead and dive on in. Follow with me. If you have your Bibles with you, it is Luke chapter 8, uh, verses 22 through 25. Uh, and mind you, right before this, uh, as you're turning there and you're turning the page, uh, Jesus had just finished giving many lessons on parables, uh, even to the point where right before this, uh, his mother and his brother came and those said to him, hey, Jesus, your mom and your dad are right there. Uh, you should go see them. He was like, my mother and my father are those that desire to hear the word of God. It was a very strict sense of uh, familiarity rooted in understanding those that want to follow Jesus. So he put the identity of wanting to follow Jesus as a high priority to the point of familial bonds. Okay, so he recently just finished saying that and now we're entering into the word Right now, So follow with me. Uh, chapter 8, verses 22. One day he got into the boat and his disciples said to him, let us go across to the other side of the lake. And they set out. Uh, and, they, and, and as they sailed, he fell asleep and a windstorm came to take on the lake. And, they were, and it was filling with water and they were in danger. Um, and they went and woke him saying, master, master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased and were calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid, uh, and, and they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that the, he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. So, uh, as we're talking about refreshment and connection, right, uh, we live in a high technology culture, right? Everybody here, we're all connected in some way, some manner. Some of y'all got I, uh, like Apple watches and stuff like that. I don't rock an Apple watch because I like to, you know, flex on my watch game. I really love watches. But we're all connected in one way or another, right? We're full, fully connected in this digital world. For, we, we do it for work, as we've clearly seen in this past year. Uh, we use it for research as we desire to learn more and grow in understanding. This even includes the news uh, that we even look to. And even though there are sources that are skewed and clearly biased, um, we can see that. And even though they would admit it, that's what we look at. Uh, we use online to seek resources as we're able to put it in order and have a curbside pickup, right, for some groceries. Uh, I'm definitely one that did that with HEB. It was a ton of fun. It was just like, boom, scoop up. Let me get my almond milk. I'm about that life. Uh, or you have like impulse buying 
syndrome, right? Anybody here, 11 o'clock at night, you can't fall asleep, but let's go to Amazon. I don't really need this blender, but you know what? It's small and compact and I want it, right? We're just, make, we're just buying things we don't need to buy. Um, we see that we're also able to connect through the digital world relationally. We are connected with our family that are far or, or that are near. We're also connected to friends uh, as time has passed, whether they're from high school or from college, um, as well as a lot of times we also do it to seek relationships with a simple swipe. The point that I'm trying to make is that relationships, uh, that, that we do it with our relationships and we're all connected and this connection is important. Thus, why we get upset. We get upset and we get frustrated and we get angry, even to the point of actually saying words that we shouldn't say when the signal is weak. Have you ever been there and you're holding up your phone, hoping to catch a signal because you're not getting the text message in, you're pissed off because the Wi-Fi isn't working or the network has been disconnected, you're wanting to watch a show and it's running slow, right? You're just getting frustrated. We become frantic because we're in need of it to be refreshed. The connection needs to be refreshed. Are you following with me so far? As we look at scripture, we can come to think that this account is just simply only written by Luke, but it's also written by Matthew and Mark uh, as just an account of God just doing something miraculous. But it's far deeper and far greater than that. So we'll look at two things really quickly. We'll look at the posture of the disciples and the posture of Christ. So when you look at the posture of the disciples, uh, you see the setup is very, very clear in Scripture as it it's, it's remains up there. Uh, we look at the clear direction that it's started off uh, as Jesus has commanded, right there at the edge of the sea, right? Jesus had just been given miracles beforehand, and he had just said, let us go across the other side of the lake. And the fact that at the first, when he said that, the conditions of the lake and the situation were never mentioned, right? Then They were never mentioned which would allow us to presume that truly it wasn't even a factor. Jesus said, go this way, that's a bet, and I'm headed that direction, right? They're just being obedient regardless of the situation, right? Let us also remember that those that are entering into this boat, some of these disciples were actually skilled fishermen, right? Andrew, Peter, James, and John, the sons of Zebedee, they lived their lives on the water. And this is what you're going to look through as you enter into your small groups, which by the way, you need to be in small group in these reset, reset groups. But you'll start to really pick these things apart. Um, and these few know how to sail a boat, right? All of us are gifted with different skills, right? Maybe it might not be sailing a boat. Maybe it might be a different craft. But the truth is this, you know when you're in that arena, you feel some type of way and there's a sense of confidence that comes with it, right? These few would have a confidence of being on this boat. And uh, you would have imagined that they have seen these conditions before throughout their lifestyle. So there's like a sense of anticipation as when the setup is going. Thus, Jesus is in good hands, right? Jesus is chilling. You got this, right? Jesus is like, you can fall asleep. This is nothing new for you. You're on the same boat that you've seen your entire life, right? Well, let's see what, what happens after that. There's a call of action, right? It says that the windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and that they were in danger. The circumstances changed and the conditions of the situation had changed. Uh, and it, was, it wasn't just the conditions, but it was the circumstance. The weather was something that man cannot control, 
right? Ain't nothing I can do to control the weather. I was talking to Mitchell about this this past week. And no other business or no other profession where you can give uh, uh, a forecast of the weather and then have it completely botch and be like, I'm still a great weatherman. What up? I'm standing in front of a green screen. Uh, temperature is going to be 75 degrees and you get there and it's burning up because it's Texas and Texas is bipolar with its weather. And you, that person still has a job. You're just like, what are you doing? But you just, they, they keep their job, right? You would come to think, right? But in this situation, uh, weather is not something a man can control, uh, but something that we can't control is how we respond to a certain circumstance or situation like, right, we would see rain, it's about to rain, so what do you get? You get your umbrellas, you grab your coat. If you know it's going to get cold, you get a jacket to make sure you're good. But if you know it's going to be super, super hot, you probably might bust out a light, a light shirt, right? We do things to prepare ourselves to respond to the situations or the circumstances that we might be in. Another thing is that in any of these circumstances, we have our ability to respond, right? Some of us have actually trained in certain situations. So if you're an Eagle Scout... Uh, or you're someone that's been trained outdoors. If something goes down, you're like, oh, I know how to make a fire. Your boy can survive. I can also tie 50 different knots, but that doesn't help me fighting this bear, but it's okay. I got a fire though, right? So you, you, you find these ways of acquiring skills, right? But in this case, for fishermen, they have the ability to, to traverse the sea. But in this instant, no preparation or ability could have helped them. Nothing was after all was said and done and they did everything possible that they can do, nothing could save them. All their years on, on sea, yet no one had an answer. And it is described that they were filling with water and they were in danger. Let me ask you a question. What's the purpose of a boat? I'll answer it for you because we're short on time. A purpose of a boat is to travel on water and the purpose of the boat is that as it's transporting, floating, make, gathering travelers or cargo, that the water on the outside doesn't come on inside. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? The water that's on the outside does not come on inside. So in a circumstance where the water on the outside starts getting inside, what starts happening to the boat? It starts to do what? It starts to sink. That's absolutely right, right? And you would say, that's a bad boat, right? That is a bad boat right? But in this circumstance, notice here that the situation on the outside of the circumstance is now becoming part of the inside. So the circumstances and the fear of the outside are now taking root inside of the heart of the disciples, right? So we might just be seeing a boat, right, that it's filling with water and they were in danger and they were afraid. But you're also seeing men that have grown on the water all their entire life and the fear of the outside is now infiltrated the inside of their heart. Do you see the two parallels that, are, that I'm cooking up on you right now? Because when we're in need of refreshment, there's something's not right. Something's not connecting, right? And in this situation, you would come to think that it would connect, that I just saw you heal, I just saw you speak, I just saw you lead, but the situation on the outside is now affecting the situation on the inside. And so thus, they're out of options. They have nobody else to turn to, except who? Someone sleeping, turning to a savior. And so what do we see? We see the posture of Jesus. You see, from the very beginning of this account, Jesus was at the helm of direction. He said, this is where we're going to go, and that's exactly where they would be. And it's astonishment because this also reflects what we see in Psalm 23, 
which is a, a, a part of scripture that sometimes is, is misquoted or, or actually we don't actually sit in it and actually chew. But it says here, he leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. He leads me to the path of the righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Many times when we interpret this piece of scripture, we come to think that we are alone or we have done something ourselves to put ourselves in the valley of shadows. But could it possibly be that the great shepherd that is going to protect you and guide you will lead you through the valley? Absolutely yes. You will be part or placed in circumstances and situations where it might seem grim or the pressure's rising and fear starts to seep in. But we see it here. Here he, God is yet again leading us and demonstrating us in his posture. He's calm. He's relaxed and he's in control. And you want to know why that is? Because he is sovereign. So then we see Jesus intentionally leading his disciples to again teach them a lesson. Jesus is trying to teach them something, right? And so what actions do we see from Jesus? Jesus is resting and asleep when he's woken by the disciples, hearing shouts of cries from deliverance. Paint this picture with me. Jesus is there and shouts of cries, please deliver us from our current situation. We are fearful. We are bound by the, by the wind and the storms. We see no way out of this situation. I need help. And they're crying out. And from the situation and circumstance, they know that they cannot be alone. And first of all, we see Jesus and his posture of peace. It is the same peace that Paul is trying to get us to understand in Philippians. What does it say? Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the what? The peace of God, which surpasses what? All understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that what they're doing right now? How could it be that you are sleeping? The water's coming into the boat. The sons of Zebedee thought they can flex on some boat knowing, but they don't know how to do nothing. I'm a tax collector. People are over there like, I just, I just fall on you. We're drowning. Help me. Help me. Right? But here it is. A surpassing all understanding. You couldn't even fathom and understand why Jesus was at peace. But the truth is, it's not that you didn't understand. The truth is, you don't know him. It's not that they didn't understand the circumstance or they didn't understand the, uh, the circumstance or the conditions. They just didn't know who was in the boat with them. They had no idea. And so why, why is this important? Because it says here, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will do what? Guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. This line also points to another scripture about talking about the heart. It says that the peace of God, the peace will guard your heart and where have we heard this before? If you look at Proverbs 4, verse 23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything flows from it. Notice here, a lot of times we see that saying, right? 
maybe people that are in the dating scene, it's like, oh, like I don't, well, don't want to assume just guys or girls because it's both ends. You know, it's, it's a little bit easier to say for girls, be like, oh, sister, are you guarding your heart? Are you guarding your heart? It's a little bit different if I walk up to Turner and be like, hey, Turner, dog, guarding your heart, brother. It's, like, it's a little different, but it's still the same thing. Guarding your heart. It, doesn't, it has less to do with relationships, but it has more to do with what are you ingesting and placing in your heart? What is coming into, what are you intaking and placing in your heart? Because if it says here, uh, another translation says everything flows from it, but another translation, another translation says it is the wellspring of life. So if the wellspring of life, if I have fear coming into my heart and that's what's being instilled, what will overflow from it? Fear. But if I have this confidence that's in my heart, trusting in the Lord, and that's what's in my heart, my confidence is not in me or my ability or my paycheck or any of these things. My, my trust and everything that's in my heart is Jesus and Jesus alone. That's what's going to spring forth. And what do we see here with the disciples? And I'm so glad that we see it with the disciples because we see it with us. It is with us too. We have to ask ourselves, what is in my heart and have I guarded my heart in these certain situations and circumstances? It was the posture of the heart of the disciples that was in the midst of the storm, which was the issue. The issue was not the storm. The issue was the heart of the disciples and they really didn't even know who Jesus was. And we know this because Jesus didn't even immediately address them at this point or in this piece of text. He simply went out and told the storm, peace, peace. And the storm settled. And what was he asked? What did he ask? Why are you afraid? Right? In the Matthew's account, it's like, why are you afraid, oh ye of little faith? Right? What do we see here? Where is your faith? This is demonstrated not just an issue of natural forces, which we see the storm, but natural forces have also been distorted by sin. So it's not just relational, it's sin has infiltrated every aspect. And yet God and Jesus is sovereign over those things to put to silence that which we think is overpowered. That which we feared, Jesus is sleeping on it. He's not even tripping about it because he knows who he is. So what's our resolution as we wrap this up? The end wraps up with reasoning, with the reason behind this account and the question that they say, who is this, who, this, who then is this, that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? Jesus, as part of the triune God we serve, has been about the business of making himself known. As part of the triune God, God is in the business of making himself known. And we see references all throughout scripture. And again, remember I talked about, please deliver us because we're in need of help and they were calling out to God. We see that perfectly demonstrated in the escape from Egypt and the parting of the waters in the front and the presence of the Lord protecting their rear. When Elijah spoke against the prophets of Baal and upon setting up wet wooded bonfire, Elijah cried out in, in 1 Kings. And at the time of the offering of obligation, uh, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O oh Lord, watch this now, O oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day, this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O oh Lord, answer me, 
that these people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. And if you don't know the story, the prophets of Baal were trying to set something on fire, and Baal couldn't do it. And even Elijah roasted him. He was like, go check on Baal. Figure it out if he needs to fall asleep or anything like that. And yet Elijah here doused his wood with water three times. And God ignited it on fire, demonstrating to you again, I don't care what elements it is. I don't care what circumstance it is. I don't care what kind of false God you claim that has authority is, is coming up on the, on the up and up. No, 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 no. I am the one. God is in the business of declaring and showing himself. He is the one that will save. And don't you find it beautiful that he's in active pursuit of you, church? He's in active pursuit of you. And even when we feel like we're the disciples, and sometimes I don't quite understand, his grace is sufficient. His mercies are new each day. And as Callan and Maggie, come on up as we're about to wrap up. My question to you is this. When you look, hear the heart posture of the disciples in this text, I ask you, what is your heart posture? Right? What is deep in your heart? And let me ask you, are you in need of a refresher? Because who can you ask for? Jesus can. Jesus can and Jesus will. Right? Who can heal? Jesus can. Who can save? Jesus can. Who is sovereign over any condition? Jesus is. And even in the midst of my fear, who is with me? Jesus is. So please allow me, just as it says in hip hop and said before many times in culture, please allow him to reintroduce himself. This is the God that commands the waves and the storms. That even in the midst of the darkest circumstance, he rests knowing that his, his sovereignty is unchallenged. And that even though we can sit here and cry out, we are perishing. He's going to use your circumstances as a testimony for others. Because there will be a day you will come off that boat. And as you look at your life, my prayer is the affirmation of this boat here and the boat of your heart, you would apply it to. Do not allow the circumstances on the outside infiltrate the heart posture of the inside. Because it's when what, the, what happens on the outside affect the inside, the wellspring of your heart will show. Do you want to lead with confidence? Ask the Lord, Lord, help me believe because I don't believe. Do you want a wellspring of love? Lord, help me love others more because sometimes it's hard to love people. Lord, I desire to serve and I just don't know how to serve. Lord, I ask you to fill my heart with a heart of service so that my wellspring can serve others. This is not just about Jesus calming the storms. He's wanting you to know who he is. And this entire section, he will clearly continue to demonstrate it further on after this, where he calmed the storm, he healed and he even conquers death in a resurrection later on the road. He is trying to show you and he's trying to show me that even in my moment of great fear, which let me also add to you, I'm fearful. And I have questions and I have doubts. But thanks be to God, I, I serve a God that's resurrected from the dead. And he loves me and he loves you. Rock the boat. 
Don't worry about the water getting into it. Rock the boat. Have fun while you're on your journey. And if the winds start pushing, if the waves seem like they're coming too, too over, he's with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. So I ask yourself, as we are exiting this COVID season, as clearly, look at us all right here in one little section, not spread out, as we are clearly in a new chapter of our lives, are you in need of a refresher? Let me encourage you to refresh and remind yourself who God is, and that he is faithful, and that he loves you. And as we just celebrated Pentecost Sunday yesterday, he's called you and is sending you out. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that your word refreshes and it sustains and it, it rejuvenates, Father. And Lord, we are transparent to tell you, man, sometimes, Lord, uh, we have gotten mad uh, at our Wi-Fi connection in our house. And sometimes we've gotten upset with our connection with you, Lord. Or sometimes we have moments of doubt and insecurities and fears. Lord, uh, we thank you that you're a good father that desires to hear the prayers of his people. Lord, we also rejoice in the fact that you are here and you are for us. And just as we said earlier, Lord, your mercies are new each day. And even in the midst of our heart, that there is enough grace for that. And sometimes we need to hear that. And that you love us and that you're for us. And as we see the posture of the disciples on the boat, sometimes we are that. We're crying out for help and deliverance. But Lord, help us in the midst of crying out, remind ourselves who we're talking to. We're talking to the one that liberated those from Egypt. We're talking to the one that parted waters. We're talking to the one that placed and removed kings. We're talking to the one that defeated death and the grave and rose again. Lord, with eager expectation, we wait, knowing that you're coming back. We love you, and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And God's children said, amen. Amen.